0: Hi everyone, this is Chad Harms, pastor of Creekside Bible Church. I want to thank you for taking time to listen to my sermon and apologize for the poor recording quality. This sermon was delivered as part of our outdoor church gathering and there was a mishap with our audio input. We almost didn't post it here but think the content is too valuable not to share. So please forgive the lack of quality. As always, thank you for taking time to listen. We hope that this sermon will help you learn and live more fully for Jesus. Hebrews 11, 1 and 2 begins, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. What follows in Hebrews 11, if you're not familiar with this, is a list of some of the greatest men of the Old Testament in the Bible, that ever lived, and it talks about the amazing things that they did because of their faith. And and these men, many of whom you know if you've ever been around church, or even if you haven't, just if you pay attention to the phrases that you use on an everyday basis, really were responsible for changing the world, or at least their world, in some type of significant way. And The sad reality, and really is a sad reality, is that most of us, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, I always do, but most of us will be, will live insignificant lives. I mean, let me just be honest with you. The truth is that, that most of you, when you die, nobody will remember within a generation or so what you accomplished. And here is just the one word difference between the men in the Old Testament, good news, it's only one word, and, and maybe your life. And that word is quite simply faith. You read Hebrews 11. It doesn't say that the men were perfect. It doesn't say that they were super creative geniuses. It doesn't say that they had something you don't have except maybe one thing and that thing is faith. Over the next... 10 weeks with a two-week break in there, uh, we will be studying these lives. Actually, study is not even the right word. We will be exploring together the stories of these men as they are told to us in the Old Testament. And so for the next 10 weeks, we will be doing a series called Stories of Old. And and all I'll be doing is getting in front of you and trying to tell you stories that some of you have heard a 100 times in a way that is meaningful And good. And and here's the hope. The hope for the whole thing is that you will see two things. First of all, that you can live a bigger, more profound, more important life. And second, you will see different nuances of this thing called faith that will allow for that great life to happen. And I think, if you were honest with yourself, I think all of us, we kind of want to be immortal, right? It's part of our obsession with with superheroes is that most of the time they're immortal, or at least they seem immortal because, you know, 30 years later they make movies again and the guys are still alive. Uh, and so these guys never die. I mean, Batman continues to live. Superman will always live. And, and we have an obsession with this, partly, I think, because we, somewhere inside of us, we want our lives to go on forever and ever. Everybody wants to leave a legacy. And the truth is, you cannot leave a legacy that lasts for eternity without faith. And without a big faith that is like some of these men that we will look at, we will examine, we will study together. Now, here's here's the thing as we go through this. I, I think that most people, based on kind of talking with you, are excited about doing this series and looking at these stories. But, but on the other side of that, there is a fear that in, in maybe you, uh, not so much in me, but maybe in you that says, I, I've i been in church a long time. I saw that you're preaching on Noah's Ark. I could tell you the story, young man. And, and so what are you standing up there for trying to tell me the story? And here's, here's what what I think. Uh, my niece is here. Leah, raise your hand. Uh, she's right back there. Uh, there she is. She's waving at you. Oh, hi, Leah. Uh, she watches cartoons over and over and over and over again. For a while, they're staying with my parents, and my dad's sick of every cartoon that's in existence right now, uh, because she watches them over and over and over and over again. And and so my dad did a little research as a teacher, and what he found is that for kids, because they're learning to process things, they're they're like seeing like an individual square on the TV, and so they, they notice the bird that's flying one time when they watch it, but the next time they watch it, They're they're watching, like, the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. They're learning to process all of these things together. And the cool thing about the Bible, this is what I found to be true over and over and over, is that it turns all of us into little kids. Because when you approach scripture, it doesn't matter how many times you read the story, if you really approach it seeking to kind of suck it up and take it in and, and learn from it and experience it and hear from God as He speaks to you through His Word, then what happens is you notice different parts of the story every time. And so, what I think will happen if you have an open mind, you say, okay, I'm going to approach the story in a fresh way, I'm going to look at it again like a child, then maybe, hopefully, You will start to see these stories don't just speak to our children, they also speak to us as adults. They have a lot to say about faith, what it is, and how it can turn us into people that change the world. Hebrews 11.7 declares, By faith, when when Noah warned about things not seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Once upon a time, not long after the creation and fall of man, the world was evil. In fact, the world was so evil that the Bible has this weird phrase. It says that the sons of God were marrying the daughters of man. Thousands of years later, it is impossible for us to know exactly what that meant, but that does not change the fact that it shows us just how wretched humanity, and the spiritual realm of our earth had become. It had become so bad, in fact, that God looked down from heaven, and with disappointment in his mind and his heart, he said to himself, I wish that I never would have created that. And as God wishes, God can do right. And so God looked down and he said, I will destroy it. I will destroy all of it. We don't know if God planned on starting over, but we know that he said, I will get rid of all of humanity because it's so evil. I don't need to put up with this anymore. But God continued to look upon the earth. And he saw one man, a man named Noah. And he looked at Noah and he saw that Noah loved him. And Noah listened to him. And Noah didn't fit in with the culture because Noah had not become an evil person. But instead Noah was righteous and holy and sought every day to walk with God. And God has has been true throughout history. Cannot destroy the righteous along with the wicked. And so God looked down and he said, Noah, I'm going to save you. He said, Noah, I want you to build a boat. Now here's the thing about Noah and this boat that you know as an ark. Noah was 500 years old when God says this to him. And it's pretty widely believed that the earth at that point did not have rain before. So Noah says, or God says to Noah, hey, I want you to build a boat. And Noah in his head has to be thinking, what are you talking about? I, I don't have a clue why I would build a boat like you're saying. I don't even know what it means. It's actually the word ark means like a big box. And Noah's got to be thinking, there's not water anywhere near me. What do you want me to build this thing for? But I'll do it. But then God starts to describe the building of the ark. And I want to read this to you because it's, it's quite fascinating, because if I'm Noah, if you're Noah, then all of a sudden it changes. God says this, build rooms in the ark and cover it within and without, with pitch. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it, leaving... Below the roof and opening one cubit high all around, put a door in the inside of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. You see, God looks at Noah, and he doesn't say, just build a boat. Noah probably could have got that done and said, sure, God, that's not going to take too long. That's not going to be too big of a deal. But He says, hey, I want you to build a boat that's 450 feet long. Do you know when the next boat that was 450 feet long was built The 19th century, right, this is B.C. when Noah is alive, and in the 19th century, our 19th century, common era 19th century, there's another boat 450 feet long built. God looks down at Noah says, hey, I know you see boats. I know you don't know what this rain stuff is, but I am going to send a flood on the earth that will kill everybody. The whole earth will be filled with water. Now, here's what I want you to do yeah, I want you to build a huge boat that's like quadruple, ten times as big as any boat you've ever seen before. Ready, go. Now, that's a more difficult thing, right? I mean, faith for me was like, okay, I'll build a boat the size of this carpet up here, but faith that builds a 450-foot boat that's 75 feet wide and 45 feet high, that takes a different level of faith, especially if you have never seen rain before. The Bible tells us that Noah was obedient to God and he begins to build this boat. And this is where... In the children's version of the story that we always hear, we go straight to the ending. Noah starts to build a boat. He does build a boat. And then the animals get on it. And then there's a rainbow after a flood, right? Listen to this. This is crazy. And this says something about faith that's so important for you. It's so important. Noah begins to build a boat. He pounds with the hammer. He saws with the saw. He works diligently for a month. For two months, for a year, for two years, for fifty years, for seventy five years? Noah builds an ark for one hundred years. Think about that faith. I mean every day when you're pounding on the on the nails, don't you wake up and think, Should I do one more? I mean don't you think that's Noah going, Should I pound one more nail? I still haven't seen rain. God said there would be a flood, and I haven't seen any rain. So where's this Where's this giant flood? Where is all this water going to come from? Should I saw this board? I mean, should I get up today and do this? There are a million other things that I can be doing. It is illogical for me to continue to work on this boat. Have you been there? I mean, maybe you've been there. Where you like, you know, God has told you something. You say, "Sure, God, I have faith." And then a day goes by, and the faith hasn't seemed to really result in anything. And then a year goes by, and maybe two years goes by, and probably not a hundred for any of you, but 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 you know, thirty years goes by, and you think, I'm doing what you want me to do, God, but I'm not seeing any reason for it, and I want to quit. But Noah continues to build. Noah builds this boat. For one hundred years. And then God speaks. He says, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate. And also seven pairs of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep
1: their various kinds
0: alive life throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will in rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature that I have made. This task must have proven a little less questionable than building an ark for a 100 years, but some might have thought it illogical. I mean, why get into a boat with a bunch of animals Seven days early, right? I mean, if you have tigers on there, even baby tigers, that's worrisome, right? But Noah gets in the boat. They're in there for seven days. It's a good thing. And then the rain starts to come. Verse 4, the Bible tells us. And and waters came from out of the ground from the depths where we would drill a well down in. And the water sprung up and the rains continued and it kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. and, And I'm sure... That, well, we would love to go, oh, Noah loved every minute of this. He's up there on that boat going, sweet, I'm safe. Think about his immediate family. A lot of you have cousins you're close to. Noah doesn't have cousins on that boat with him. He just has his wife and his sons and their wives. Noah's, I'm sure, thinking, my cousins are dying. Noah, I'm sure, had neighbors, good friends. And as the waters rise, Noah has to be thinking, they're dead. Why me? Why am I the one on the boat? Why my kids and not their kids? I'm sure that as those waters rose, Noah worshipped God for the salvation, but also questioned God. Did you have to do this? Was this your only solution? Just the only thing you could have done? Wasn't there another way? Couldn't I have just told people about you? Couldn't something different have been done? But the waters continue to rise and rise and rise.
1: The waters rise
0: for 150 days. And I want to get these numbers right for you. And it's a little less story-like, but the numbers are important to this story. So for 150 days... There was no end to the water. It continued to fill up the earth. For 40 days and 40 nights, we know it flooded, but the waters were still there fully for 150 days. And then the ark comes to rest on the top of a mountain. 74 days after this, Noah looks out and he can see the tops of other mountains in the area. Forty days after that, Noah sends out a raven and a dove to see if there's actually a place for them to land. The raven just keeps roaming around. It's like one of the funny quirks of the whole Bible to me. It doesn't say the raven came back. It doesn't say he had a place to land. Read the story. The raven might still be flying around for all I know. The dove comes back because it doesn't have a place to land. Then seven days later, later, Noah sends out the dove again. This time it comes back with an olive branch in his mouth. Seven days later, Noah sends it out again, and the dove does not return. And Noah knows that the water is down. 22 days after this, Noah removes the cover from the ark. And then 70 days later, God commands Noah and his family to come out of the ark. Now here's what you need to hear, because this is nuts to me, this is crazy. It just, it's something that's forgotten in the children's version of the story. Noah is in this boat for 377 days. With his sons and their wives and his wife and a bunch of animals. 377 days. And I'm sure it went like this. If I I could retell the story a little bit. Noah's on the boat. At first he's very sad about the people dying. And then he kind of kicks into a joy. Hey, look, God saved me. This is awesome. And then he's really, really bored. And then after about day 10, he's like annoyed for the next 367. I'm still on the boat. When's God going to get rid of the water? I'm still here. What is happening? And here's this is the other thing about Noah. I mean, to build an ark for a hundred years is crazy. But, but to still do what he does next, as we'll see in the story, after 377 days filled with smells of animals and sounds, and, and, and your kids and their wives all in a tight quarters, and, 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 and your spouse without being able to get away, that would be perfect for me, but I know some of you, like, whoa, I'm still on the boat. And, and, and look, Noah's... Gets off of the boat. After all of that, after all of the questions, God, do you care about me? Did you forget about me? We're still out here floating around. I mean, this is terrible. This is not, are we going to run out of food? I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, This is not what I signed up for. Maybe, maybe I should have just died with the rest of them, because maybe that was easy. But Noah gets off the boat, and the first thing that we see Noah do, (laughs) he sacrifice. <laughs> sacrifices animals, which I also think is a funny part of the story. Hopefully he wasn't too attached after 377 days. Uh, but he gets off the boat. He says, hey, you, you made too much noise. Come here, animal. And, and he sacrifices these animals to worship the God who has saved them. It's an, it's an incredible thing to me. I mean, Noah looks, and in his faith, he says, I will be obedient. I will continue to be obedient for a hundred years. And they know as soon as he gets off in faith, says, God, look, there was problems here. This wasn't that fun. I don't know why you had to do it. But yet I understand that you are God. I am not. And so here is my worship for you. You know kind of the ending part of this story. God promises this. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of the flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And then he offers a sign for this. He says, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be, a, it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring the clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again. Will the waters become a flood to destroy all life? Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all the creatures of every kind. The wonderful ending. The question is this: What are we to learn from this amazing story? And the thing is, First Peter three tells us. First Peter three nineteen through twenty two says this about Jesus. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right place at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to Him. The story of Noah teaches us that God punishes, but the story of Noah also teaches us that God saves the righteous. What First Peter declares is that Jesus is the boat that we can climb on and be saved. Now here's the story, and it's, a, it's pertinent for me to tell you that some of you know it, but Jesus... He came to this earth. He was the Son of God. He died on a cross. He rose again from the grave. And the Bible makes absolutely clear that the only way to be saved is through the boat that is Jesus. You see, I'm sure that when that rain started, people tried to grab onto a lot of stuff. They were probably on top of their houses saying... I can can manage up here, it won't get this high. They probably climbed trees saying, if I just get a little bit higher, then, then I won't die. They probably went up the mountains and said, if I just get to the top of this mountain, then I will be safe." But only those in the boat of God's righteousness survived the rain. Only those that had placed their faith in Jesus were saved. What I want you to know is that we all have the opportunity to be known. And when we talk about a great life, a life that is world-changing, the absolute first step in that is to place your faith in the story of Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe that you died for the sin, for the sins of the world. And here's, here's your option. Your option is to make excuses. Noah had that option, right? Noah could have said, I didn't see rain before. I don't know what that is. Noah could have said, that's too big of a ball. Noah could have said, look, I've been building a long time. Nothing has happened. You likewise can say things like this. I don't like the idea that God would punish me. There has to be another way. You can say things like this. I'm a pretty good person, so it doesn't seem like fair that God is telling me that I have to give my life. To Jesus, that seems stupid. We could say, "Hey, I don't like, I don't like this plan. I want another plan." But the truth is, Noah teaches this about faith. We can either make excuses, or we can jump into faith, and we say. You cannot have both. You cannot make excuses. Turn your back on God. Say, God, sure, that's your plan. I don't really care, though. I'm going to do my own thing, my own way. I'm not going to build that long. I don't think that it's rational. You can make all of those excuses, or you can dive in. Say, Jesus, I'm going to get on the boat that is you, and I'm going to have salvation. There is no middle ground. The story of the flood shows us that there is no middle ground. There is salvation through Jesus, or there is destruction. And you have the decision to be righteous through Jesus. And so this morning what I want you to know as we look at this first story is that if, if you are going to be a person that lives a life that goes on for eternity, that, that does amazing things, then you have to get on the boat. You have to accept the gift of salvation from Jesus. And you have to give Him your life. Now. One more thing that's really important for us. Comes to faith because there are people. There are real people. I mentioned Katy Perry last week, in fact. Katy Perry, singer, you might have heard of her. She says, Jesus is something I come from and something I will go back to. And, and Jesus has a response for Katy Perry and for all of you who say, that faith thing, just getting onto that boat and really going all out and saying, no matter if you ask me to build for a 100 years or you make me stay in a stinky, smelly, loud boat for 377 days, no matter, God, I give my life to you, here's, here's the excuse that too many of us make, too many of you make, and that is, I'll get around to it eventually. Right now, I'm enjoying my life. I want to do my thing, but eventually I will get around to it. And here is what Jesus says. Matthew twenty four, thirty-seven through forty-one. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying, and being given in marriage up to the day of Noah, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming the second coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken the other left. Two women will be grinding with the handmill, one will be taken and the other left. The Bible makes very clear that you are stupid to wait to place your faith in the boat that Jesus. Stupid is the only word I can give you because unlike the people who died in that flood, you have now heard the message of salvation. I have told you how you can get in the boat and be saved forevermore. And so if you wait and say, hey, I'll wait until I see the first drops of rain, I'll wait until I see a little bit of water, or until I understand it more than you, might wait too long and be destroyed with all of humanity was has not given their last to Christ. And so what I want you to know this morning is that from this story of old, this Noah's Ark story that you know so well, it's not just this, this story of, Wow, there's a rainbow and a bunch of animals. It's a story that declares you have a choice to make. You can make excuses, or you can give your life to Jesus, place your faith in Him, accept His righteousness, and be saved. And it's a story that reminds us that we need to do that now. And I'll let you pray for the Lord. I ask that you take this story and you just address it upon our hearts. Thank you. We saved humanity through this famine and all and through this children. And I I pray, God, that that we, right from the outset of this series, when we take us all all over the topic of faith and all around it, God, I pray that right at the beginning, every person here would be there in their hearts if their had decided to get into the boat and decided to live their lives. Lord, I pray for the people here who are making excuses. I pray for the people here, God, who, who are clinging to addictions, who are clinging to their wants and desires, who are holding tight to the things of this world and saying, well, I want this, and they're refusing to get on the boat because of those things. And I pray that this morning would break the, the bondage, God, of those things, and they would they would just give their lives to you, God. I want every person that hears this. I want every person, God, to, to come to salvation. I want I want our boat to be so full, God, that 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 we have to build a bigger boat, Lord. Uh, and, and so I pray, Lord, you move in people's hearts. My words we do nothing, God. Even the story alone will do nothing to talk these people into giving their lives to you. you, Jesus, your Holy Spirit, to draw them to yourself and I pray them, draw them especially the in way this Lord, for those of us who have got onto the boat, Lord, we see parallels to our lives. Maybe we started to build the boat even and, and God we placed our faith in you that way and we're thinking, it doesn't seem to matter. maybe God, we've been we've been on the boat a long time and and, and, and we're thinking, wow, I'm just being tossed around by the winds and waves and smells and life is difficult and hurtful. I pray for, for those of us in that situation, God, that you would remind us, Lord, that ultimately life will be good. That ultimately we would sit in your presence and worship you and make it pain worse, God. I pray these things.